Hello, it's Monday the 2nd of October. I'm Miranda Sawyer and I'd wave my hat at the Yanks if only I knew why. Welcome back to Papercuts, the modern newspaper review, where we put the UK press through its paces like a family playing a round of crazy golf. Gorp as the mail tries to tilt at a teeny windmill, laugh as the telegraph gets its knickers all twisted over a castle moat and give grudging respect to the star for going off at a complete tangent to play an entirely different game. (laughs) We're out five days a week for your listening pleasure and listener Coilo27, for one, is happy. They've said they're delighted we've moved to a daily drop. Brightens my day, says Coilo. Hooray to that. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. In-fight attendance, top Tories battle for headlines as conference starts. Golf war, Ryder Cup skirmishes end in European victory and daddy issues. Elon Musk's dad does interview, explains all. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where the other caddy is always a baddie. I'm Miranda Sawyer, and joining me on the show today is historian and holiday haver, Alex von Tunzelman. Hello, Alex. Hello. Also with us is comedy writer and weekend waster, Jason Hazley. Hello, Jason. Hello. So what have we got on the front pages today? Alex, what do you have? Well, I've got The Guardian. Uh, These are all kind of around the Tory party conference, which, of course, is beginning in Manchester. They've got Tory factions threatened to wreck Sunak's conference. The eye has gone for a similar kind of angle. Tory leaders in waiting threaten to overshadow PM's party. The Metro has gone with a different angle. Slightly on the party conference, they've gone for Rishi Sunak's own line. Uh, so the headline is, Rishi, my target is winflation. Oh, like we just inflation, die? but with a win. Shall we just die? Now? We might. That's so bad. Okay, Jason, anything better over there? <laughs> better? Um... Mm. Better is maybe the wrong word, right? Well, okay, so the Express has gone with Hunt vows to turn the screw on work shy. Right, which right. is more of the Conservatives' forward to the past um, theme. <laughs> Agenda. Uh, work shy as well. That word that only really works now when Vic Reeves says it, doesn't it, really? <laughs> um, the Daily Mail has gone with mobile phones ban in schools, which uh, by, by about paragraph three, it's uh, just guidance and not a ban. Mm. Um, so nice one. Um, the Daily Star, though. Oh, thank Hooray. God for the Daily Star. Um <laughs> has gone with our nuts are in crisis um, which <laughs> nuts. well it, it, this so if if you read this in a Danny Dyer voice it would just to be about how stressed we all are our nuts are in crisis right but it's not that it's about how freak weather also known as climate change has made conkers go soft oh, which no. is bad news for the uh, British conquer championships which are this weekend so they're having to bake them all which is cheating right it's cheating yeah I always thought baking the conkers that's not right mm. oh dearie me so look, there are two sports stories actually that are kind of slightly dominating things as well. There's a few photos which I feel like we should look at. Shall we look at the Times? The Times has got a big photo on the front, hasn't it, Alex? Mm. What is that big photo of? <laughs> oh well, uh, it's a big photo of uh, Victor Hovland, the only 
only member of Europe's Ryder Cup team who is single, uh, surrounded by the uh, wags, the wives and partners, girlfriends, etc. of his teammates. And they're all dressed in these yellow jackets, white mini dresses and Panama hats. And they've all they're all white women with long blonde hair. And, you know, actually, I'm pretty sure some of them have just been clones. Yeah, they've just done that thing where they've got one photo, you know, and then they just put another one over there. I mean, definitely. So, I mean, hopefully Victor Hovland can just order one for himself from whatever factory they found all these from. Yeah, I mean, I have to say that photo really got my goat. There's another version of it online in the Times where they've got the rest of the European members of the Ryder Cup team who have got wives and girlfriends and stuff. We see snogging them. It just makes me want to cringe. And then a kind of more standard photo of of the competitors in the Ryder Cup. But it's just... Really horrible. No other sport does this anymore. No other sport wheels out the wives and girlfriends to go, oh, well done, everyone. That was absolutely fantastic. Women's golf exists. It's quite good. You know? Do you think yeah. the yeah. wags get paid for those pictures? No, they just get told to smile and wear those awful Ugh. outfits. My Horrid. God. It looks like sort of Aryan Heidi High cosplay, doesn't it? <laughs> not as interesting (laughs) anyway I feel like we should talk about the golf both of you are not interested but I'm going to do a round up of the golf for you okay it's a golfing tournament between uh, the USA and Europe right obviously it's boring it's golf it's boring right but but it was interesting this year because Rory McIlroy who is from uh, near Belfast right he is a hero amongst the European team had a big row that's what's interesting so on Saturday, um, he was playing against a guy called Patrick Cantlay, who is like the baddie of the US team. And Cantlay um, sunk a putt, which meant that he won. And then his caddy basically got in uh, Rory McIlroy's uh, way, right? And he was the most annoyed. He said he's the most annoyed he's ever, ever been and confronted him in a car park. <laughs> That's why we're bothered. Ringing right. endorsement. Okay. That's why we're bothered. And Europe won, having lost two years ago. There you go. That's my summary. Okay. Happy? Yeah. Yeah, great. Thank you. I feel informed. Thank you. (laughs) I'm here to inform. And then I'd also like to point out another sporting picture, which is on the front page of The Guardian, is of Simone Biles, who we all love, doing a lovely split leap, probably above the beam, who is back, back, back. She was not back in uh, in the Tokyo Olympics, if you remember. Yeah. Um, she got the twisties, so she couldn't um, compete. And now in the in Antwerp at the World Championships, she's already in the lead with fifty out fifty eight point eight six five, which is the highest international all round score kind of ever. Wow. She's just amazing, and she did a vault yesterday called the Yuchenko Double Pike. Now called, which is like no woman has done it before. Yeah. Men do that vault. And it's now called the Biles 2. And that is the fifth gymnastic element that has been named after her. That's wow. why she's on the front cover. And that's why I get annoyed about pictures of those wags. Now, it's the Tory party conference this week. Hey! <laughs> in Manchester, the jewel of the Northwest, uh, various Conservative politicians. <laughs> Sorry, I'm only laughing because our producer's from Liverpool and he just coughed. <laughs> Very unhappily. <laughs> Various Conservative politicians are looking to make a splash and are doing so by being interviewed in the papers. Kemi Badenoch had a big interview in the Sunday Times, for instance. Suella Braverman's been everywhere. And also by coming up with exciting new policies with which to delight and entrance the electorate. <laughs> so... 
Alex, Jeremy Hunt's got a new idea, hasn't he? What is it? I mean, it's not really a new <laughs> idea. And as as Jason said, really, this is you know, turn the screws on the workshop. It's more of a sort of Dickensian idea, really, that's being reheated again. Um, he's going to say today that uh, tens of thousands of benefit claimants will face lower payments if they fail to look for work. A clamp down on what he is oh. saying are the work-shy, unemployed people. Um, he said about 90,000 people who've been sanctioned for failing to look for work will find it harder to make new claims for universal credit, designed to focus on those who do not engage with job centres or attend appointments with work coaches. So, I mean, effectively what he's doing is he's claiming that lots and lots of people are falling out of work, are also kind of, you know, getting certified too ill to work and all of this. But of course, it is the DWP who are certifying them. So, I mean, the problem wouldn't seem to be them so much as the DWP. Um, And, of course, anyone might point out that the reasons behind that are quite possibly, you know, he's saying it's happened since the pandemic. Well, that probably has left quite a lot of people disabled. And also NHS and uh, physical and mental health services have been cut back a lot. So that's probably the reason. Rather than addressing those, let's go for more punishment because this is what the party conference wants to hear. It's depressing, isn't it? What, I mean, is, what is it with this fetishization of punishment? I know, it's so weird. It's very strange, isn't it? Like psychologically, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. No, they just I, like... I think it's important that people who are worse off than me are punished. You know? Yeah, they must be delinquent is the sort of mindset. I mean, it comes back to that American idea that the cruelty is the point. But actually, this is kind of kicking deliberately against a group who, you know, can be demonised and don't have a lot of voice to fight back. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it does feel very, I mean, work shy and turn the screw. It is, I mean, it is very, it's not even fat right. It's so early, isn't it? <laughs> it's okay. always the same language as well, isn't it? It's always yeah. clamped down, crack down. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's we've, horrible. We've heard all this so many times. Yeah, very they, re- much. they really are just fading out, aren't they? Now, the I Tories? mean, and also there have been 20 years of kind of more and more sanctions on people who are on benefits and so forth. And that hasn't helped. So if that did help, it would have worked already would be yeah. kind of what normal people would probably <laughs> think. Um, But yeah, I mean, this is, of course, what this is, as many of the stories in today's papers are, is about the Tory party conference and about various Tory politicians throwing red meat to their base, effectively. Yeah. And also kind of, it seems that they're on manoeuvres to say, we're here. (laughs) Don't know if you remember us, but we're still here. Rishi's a bit rubbish. Remember me? (laughs) I mean, I mean, if you look on the on the front of the mail, we did mention this a little bit. This is about um, Gillian Keegan's had an idea. I mean, I, I quite, you know, I have said before, I do quite like Gillian Keegan, although I am going off her. <laughs> She's had an idea about education, hasn't she? Yeah, she wants to ban mobile phones in schools. Yeah. Um, except, of course, that uh, that uh, it turns into guidance in paragraph three, but guidance that requires schools to take action. So I don't know what's going on. But there. also most schools already do it. Most I mean, it's schools, not like, yes. yeah, you know, if you have a child in secondary school, they are not sitting on their phone in lessons. I mean, they might be, but they're not allowed to. I mean, it's like it's, if they're caught, their mobile phone gets confiscated. They yep. don't get about it for three days. This is already happening. Yes, yes. I, I don't think there are many schools who go, oh, that's a good idea. We, why, we haven't thought of that. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that's so it. The headline odd. sold as, uh, you know, to the relief of millions of parents and teachers who uh, f- presumably found themselves completely unable to say, 
Yeah, please don't use your mobile in the classroom. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I mean, literally, I think it's aimed at people who aren't parents. Yeah. That's what of I course think. it is. Of course it is. It's and you can tell by the language of the this report. You know, um, some schools already ban the use of mobiles, but many others still permit their use, particularly during breaks, despite growing evidence of the damage they cause. Yeah, I mean, it's just what fucking damage? What well, during evidence? Breaks, what are you talking do what you about? Like. <laughs> exactly. Again, you're fantasizing about. You, you you can always see this when you hear people talk about. They talk about poor people, and they and they always they always pick on the same things. It's their flat screen TVs and their smartphones, right? Well, listen up, dummies. A flat screen TV is a TV. There aren't any others now. <laughs> a smartphone is your phone. It's a phone. <laughs> There's other people that are coming back, back, back. Liz Truss is back. Oh, oh hooray! Hello again. <laughs> She's got her usual idea, which is cut taxes. Everyone's ignoring her. <laughs> And then James Cleverly, weirdly, I read this, he said basically it's a drinks reception. So basically that's in the pub, isn't it? A drinks reception. James Cleverly went to the pub, told a few people around him that he's going to go to the Falklands because um, he's unhappy that the European Union called the Falklands the Islas Malvinas, i.e. the kind of Argentinian name for it. And he's a bit upset and he's going to go and sort it out. And he needs to go there to sort out a language problem, does yeah. he, that the EU have got? Yeah. Uh, honestly, so now they're cosplaying Falklands War stuff again. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's insane, this, isn't it's it? It's really when, insane. When, uh, there was a time, wasn't there, when the Tory party was set in the present day. <laughs> and it appears to be set in, in about 55 different pasts now, doesn't it? It really does. There's a, there's, um, John Crace does a, a sketch in The Guardian in which he points out that four, you know, four years ago they had like an 80-seat majority. They were basically set to, to govern for the next decade. It has absolutely collapsed. They're, where they're meeting in the conf, in conference in, uh, in Manchester, they've had to reduce the size of the hall. They're now in what used to be the media area. <laughs> <laughs> it's got that small. Next, the broom cupboard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where are the media then? Well, I mean, you know, there's not very many of them. I presume they're just in like some little, you know, cupboard and annex, you know. If they anyway. got any sense, they're down the pub. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, quite. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, I feel like because we are in Manchester, we should have a look at the Manchester Evening News. There's a very impressive front page, isn't there, Jason? Yeah, the front page of the Manchester Evening News is very, very striking. It is a large yellow block with lots of black downward pointing arrows in it. <laughs> with a headline, levelling up. So how's it going, Mr. Prime Minister? <laughs> I like Mr. That's, that's, quite, that's quite spicy, isn't it? Yeah. And it's just a series, of, uh, a series of disappointing statistics. Education, GCSE performances fell 2.4% further behind London. Transport, more than 18 billion spent on crossrail in London. The future of high-speed rail to the north hangs in the balance. Health, life expectancy fell in the north but went up in the south. It's just a very stark... Very stark example of how this levelling up thing is, is just not happening. No, it hasn't, not at all. It's not happening at all. One of the stats is a quite devastating £2,656 less public spending per person in the northwest than in London. That's that is just appalling. <laughs> I mean, that's huge. It's just awful. And I have to say, can, you know, you've pointed out the graphic of it, yellow with kind of black arrows. And to pump somebody like me, that reminds me of the Hacienda and I'm very happy. <laughs> <laughs> Yellow and black. Excellent. Well, it's also the sort of Manchester Bee, isn't it? It's yes. quite a theme. Runs yeah. through it. I mean, yeah, no, it's an incredibly striking front page. I think they, you know, they're the winners today in terms of front pages for sure.
Now, over the weekend, the Mail ran a two-issue interview with Elon Musk's dad, Errol Musk. <laughs> Let's just contemplate that name for a while. <laughs> Errol Musk, swashbuckling kind of guy. Reporter Rebecca Hardy flew to South Africa to interview Errol, 77, in his swanky pad, and they had quite the chat. Okay, Jason, um, let's talk about his uh, Elon Musk dad because a recent biography of Musk revealed that he thought of his dad as, quote, pure evil. Mm. What was Errol like? Um, Errol, who entertainingly was uh, on the online version of this piece, um, was captioned in a photograph as Error. <laughs> which is a nice little detail. Errol, this is what... So let's, let's get the measure of the man, shall we? Errol... Musk married his third wife, Hyder, and she arrived with a four-year-old girl called Jana. Mm -hmm. uh, Errol and Hyder separated, and Errol got together with Jana. So he now lovely. has two... no longer four. To be fair, we no, no longer four. She was by then an adult. No, yeah. she was thirty when uh, they had a son. Uh, she's now thirty-six. He is seventy-seven. He has basically procreated with his stepdaughter. I know, it's Whoa. so icky. There's an awful lot of spreading seed going on that he talks about. <laughs> yes. Um, it's natural, apparently. Men yeah. trying to spread their seed. That's natural. right. You, you, st you stop counting the number of women you've been with after 200, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty horrible. And he took poor Elon, when he was very young, to sex parties. He took him to a sex party in his school uniform. I mean, that is so <laughs> grim. And then, and then told him to go and sit in the library. Yeah, well, while, while everybody, all the all the grown ups, got it on round the pool. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's pretty horrible. You do you do kind of uh, feel for the young Elon anyway. And um, he did, although he says he was a very hands on dad. Um, uh, Elon has a, a <laughs> literally. I know. I mean, yes. <laughs> Any random woman passing by? <laughs> does he? He means handsy, doesn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So um, anyway, Elon turned up uh, and when he was quite young and a bit, you know, unhappy, he'd basically been kicked out of the house by his mum, went to live with his dad. And his dad did look after him um, and, you know, was caring for him. <laughs> How he demonstrates this is he took him to school in a Gold's Rolls Royce Corniche, so he must have cared. Which, by the way, is the tackiest of the Rolls Royces, the Corniche. <laughs> Legendarily shit bit of work. And um, he bought Elon and Kimball, who's his younger brother. I mean, Kimball, that's a terrible Kimble, name, isn't it? Um, motorbikes when they were seven and eight. And so that they could drive around in their motorbikes and they travelled a lot and, you know, he taught them how to fly. Apparently they could take a Learjet around Heathrow by the time they were like 12 or something. I mean, so he feels like he really did look after them when they were young and it sounds like he was very present, but just really mad and icky, mm. which possibly explains... Explains why, why Adolf is Wonka is the way he is. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you, what do you, so he, he says, I'm going to quote, there is no such thing as an intelligent woman, mm. Mm. says Errol. Now, what do you two overy burdened thickies think about that then? <laughs> I know, and he literally says it while his, his wife is there. Yeah. <laughs> and talking to a female journalist. I know. I mean, it's just, he is quite unbelievable. Although uh, Rebecca Hardy does seem to be quite charmed by him. I think he's one of those people that just knocks you over with the force of his personality and possibly with, you know, the fact that he has loads and loads of money. And so he's just allowed to get away with it. And that does seem to have transferred a little bit to his son, I must say. Yeah, but there's a, there's a horrible detail about how when, um, when Adolf went to Canada to study, he would <laughs> ring his dad um, uh, to talk to him. And his dad says, I try to get him not to fill me in on his life so much and not have these hour-long conversations. Try to push him out. Sons like lions need to leave their fathers and start a new pride. 
Mm. Well, wow. And now he has. Yeah. I mean, it does sound like, you know, yes, as you say, sort of involved parenting in terms of things like buying him motorbikes when he was a tiny child. Not so much in terms of forming functioning relationships or, <laughs> definitely, definitely. or emotional intelligence not really there so much, is it? I mean, and it's it's curious, isn't it? Because, I mean, I find Elon Musk a deeply unsympathetic character. But you do see this and think, well, you know, something went into that, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, this is somewhat explicable. It's interesting, actually, because Errol, who doesn't, you know, he's, who appears to be a kind of slightly weird parent, actually has parenting advice for Elon. And his parenting advice is spend some time with your children. Yes. Maybe Seems he should have good. spent a bit less time with his stepdaughter. Sound out that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that's nasty. You've brought the image back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> Now, here at Papercuts, headlines are our heroes, and we know you love them too, which is why every Friday we give you a fix-the-headline competition for you to come up with an excellent headline for a story that needs it. On Friday, we gave you this picture from the mirror of Kim Jong-un looking rather small in front of two 70-foot statues of his father and grandpa. The mirror had a go with, and a big, big hand for my dad and granddad, but we knew you could do better, and you did. On X... Al Camilla Mollis tried Arseholes of the North, <laughs> which really made me laugh. <laughs> Stephen Bowden gave us Lil Kim's Big Kim's, Chris Thompson Uncredible Hulks, and One Take Grey Statues of No Liberty. All pretty good, I think. On threads, David Hosham had Kim's Dead Dads Are Big Bad Dummies. <laughs> but the winner is Sean Madrid, possibly for a great name, but no for his frankly superb Kim Kong. Hooray! Hooray to you, Sean. Send us your address and size and a gorgeous Papercuts t-shirt will be winging its way to you very soon. Take that, Phoebe Philo. Now, what about in the papers today? Do we have any good headlines? Alex, what do we have? Well, probably not absolute Hall of Fame classics, but we do have uh, the news in The Times that in Paris, bakers have sought to reassure their customers after the health ministry has recommended a cut in the amount of salt in famous baguettes. Uh, So they're currently supposed to be 1.5 grams per 100 grams of bread, thinking about cutting it to 1.4 grams. (laughs) Massive difference. Yes, massive (laughs) difference. Um, And the headline is, Paris cuts baguette salt to reduce crocked monsieurs. I see. So the monsieurs will no longer be crocked. Which is a It's word. a reach. It's a reach. But, you know, they're going with it. And in the Daily Mirror, we have the story that uh, actress Donna Eyre's daughter is hand-rearing two orphan lion cubs in her bedroom. So this is Freya Aspinall, who's the daughter of Donna Eyre and, of course, possibly more relevantly in this context, wildlife parker Damien Aspinall. Um, she lets the animals sleep together in her bed next to her. I'm not sure... You should try this at home, I'll be honest. <laughs> I mean, I've got two cats that do that, but they're like cats. I'm not sure. I think it's, it's not a brilliant idea. Um, and the headline is, the two lions sleep tonight in my bed. Oh, that's quite sweet. They make it sound sweet, but it's not sweet. They're going to get big, Going to get big and bitey. Surely. That's what they do. Mm. Okay, Jason, what do you have? Well, mine is exclusively vegetation. Um, So (laughs) I've got um, on page three of the mirror, there is a story which is the opposite of the conkers story. Um, Wild weather, also known as climate change, is is ruining conkers, but it's doing great things for Halloween pumpkins, which are going to be, says the mirror, frighteningly large. (laughs) (laughs) 
which, which promises great things. And uh, that's, so that's all under the headline Plumpkins. Oh, that's quite Ooh. sweet. I like that. Rather good, isn't it? Yeah. And then on page 20 of the star, there is an extraordinary story that, uh, and this is sort of a uh, trying to cut costs, I suppose. Brits are ditching trendy avocados for brunch and tucking into smashed peas on toast. Ew. Which is news to me, but no, apparently the hashtag peas on toast has had 3.3 million TikTok views. Ugh. Um, oh, dear, you looked genuinely nauseous. You, yeah. You're right. That actually makes me feel really ill. Sorry. Um, anyway, yes, this is all under the headline, Avocado, give peas a chance. <laughs> Reminds me of the urban legend spread, I believe, by Neil Kinnock that Peter Mandelson once went into a chippy in the north and uh, pointed at the mushy peas and said, "Oh, I'll have some of that guacamole." Yeah. <laughs> it also reminds me of cheesy peas. That's I think that's why I feel. I sick. You clearly you've got you you have got a bad relationship with peas, haven't yeah, you? It's not good. <laughs> Now, there are a few 90s stars on the publicity trail at the moment. In The Guardian, Simon Hattonstone has interviewed Katie Price, once known as Jordan, in her mucky mansion. And in The Times, there's a summary of various top pop facts about David Beckham from an upcoming four-part Netflix series about him and Victoria. Let's do the Beckhams first so I can go, <laughs> let's do the Beckhams. What are the facts that we found out about the Beckhams? Oh, we found out all sorts of lovely stuff about them. So there's a, there's a Netflix documentary called Beckham. Um, it's about him, isn't it, rather than her? Is it? Really? Yeah. Is that the thing? But she's I was there. wondering why, there wasn't, why it wasn't plural. No, it's, mm. yeah, it's um, mostly him. Uh, before we do uh, go, go into the facts, let's just enjoy the headline in the Daily Mail's uh, piece. Jan Moore has written a piece about it. And the headline is from Chingford to Kerchingford. Oh. <laughs> Excellent Fine headline. Games. Not a great piece, though. Really reads like it's been written with a knife and fork. Mm. If football <laughs> is a game of two halves, if... If football is a game of two halves, then so is David Beckham's life. Yeah, right. What? what? Meaningless. So what have we learned? We've learned some lovely things. We've learned the very 90s fact that Victoria gave David her phone number on an aeroplane ticket. I know. I so like sweet. that one. Yeah. Nobody knows who, whose idea the thrones at their wedding was. <laughs> Which is great. That's like I, I once asked my parents where they went on a honeymoon and neither of them could remember. Yeah, it's so old school, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? It's like it doesn't really matter. Um, the purple thrones are an irrelevance. Although I do remember that they had kind of twirly writing and it was V and D. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Unfortunately, in that order, really, yes, afraid oh, so. Yeah, oh boy. Oh well, DV wouldn't be great either, would it? I mean, like, mm, no, no, neither good. But. Um, uh, so David Beckham now keeps bees. Uh, he has a gold monogrammed beekeeper's suit. Of course. of course he does. Of course he does. And uh, he's trying to find a name for the for the for the honey. I think he wants to call it Golden Bees. Mm. That's it. And what does she want to call it? She wants to call it DB Sticky Stuff. <laughs> Which is really good. I think it's great. No, his is better. It's gross. Um, his his father, um, Ted. Um, used to make him repeatedly practice corners and also gave him Guinness and raw eggs to make him taller and stronger. I know, when he was in primary school. <laughs> I mean, that is just, I mean, football dads, we could do a whole section on football dads. dads. Oh my today, God. But that's, that's really not as bad weird. as Elon's dad, is it? Yeah. Um, results. He got a 50 grand deal from Adidas and went out and spent 50 grand on a car. <laughs> 
Which is great. Which I is know, just, you love, I love him for that. It's just wonderfully naive, isn't it? It's so brilliant. And there's some lovely photos, including one that I feel they should have made a bit, bit larger. Yeah, there is this picture of him taking off or putting on a, his shirt. So the thing is, when you see photos of these two, um, and you really can't get round it, they are both so beautiful. I was stunned. You, you, were, you were quite... There was yeah. a small moment in the paper. Was, oh, yeah. You were, you were, moment, you were momented by that I photo. I was momented. I had to pass it around and go, look at this picture. <laughs> Um, uh, okay, let's talk about Katie Price. This is slightly sadder, I find, really. Simon Hattonstone went round to her house, which is weirdly covered in flies, which yeah. is just awful, like a horrible kind of image. And he does an interview and it discusses her kind of fairly difficult life once more. Over yeah. and over, we get the difficulties of her life. Um, I mean, what you can say about it is that she's very open about them and she tends to make money out of them. Yeah, I mean, it's this sort of extraordinary interview which kind of switches wildly between, oh, there are lots of flies in my jam in my house, to, oh, look, my nipples have changed since that boob job, looking at old picture herself, to I've been raped three times but then that's just sort of passed on very, very quickly. Um, and, you know, the travails of her life with her ex-husbands and all of this kind of stuff and, you know, her children and all of this. I mean, it's a sort of fascinating piece. And, of course, she is somebody who's really sold her life and her trauma in a huge way. Of course, she's written six autobiographies, mm. um, probably due another one because I think the last one was 2018 or something. So a lot's <laughs> yeah. happened since then. I yeah, mean, I you know. And so, she's also <laughs> bankrupt. She's completely bankrupt. She owes 3.2 million, but she's not stressed about it at all because she's got a podcast now and possibly a couple of things coming up on Channel 4. Oh, I tell mean, me there's... that podcasts are going to make me 3.2 million. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, she is... She's a strange character. I did interview her once in the late 90s, I think. It's just um, before she went on uh, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And I have to say, she was horrible to me. <laughs> she was really horrible to me. And it reminded me a little bit of kind of school bullying. Really? So I arrived and we we met at an airport in uh, London and we were flying to Leeds. I met her and she completely ignored me. <laughs> I then got stopped. You know, they just searched my bags. She went, they only stop you because you're scruffy. Which is fair enough. I am a bit scruffy. <laughs> I was like, oh, hi, Katie. <laughs> we did the interview on the flight, and which was okay. And then we got into a cab with her and her then boyfriend and the manager. And just to make, you know, kind of small talk, I said something like, oh, I'm really hungry. And when she went, shut up, no one's listening. <laughs> wow. And then she said it again. And this has now become such a favourite phrase in my household that we use it all the time. Shut up, no one's listening. <laughs> she was really not nice. And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to Jason. Thank you. And thanks to Alex. Thank you. Remember, we're now out five days a week and we would be really grateful for your support so we can carry on paper cutting for you every weekday. We are a 100% independent outfit. No big media owner here. We spend £600 a month on papers alone and sometimes we buy a chubba chub. So why not chip in to keep paper cuts afloat? For as little as £3 a month, you can get every episode without adverts. Support us with a little bit more and you can get extended episodes with extra material Material, plus the coveted paper cuts mugs and t-shirts as occasionally modelled by our panel. Follow the show notes to back.papercutshow.com to find out more. Our lovely supporters get a shout out on the show and here are three now. We're going to read out one each. Alex. Hello and thank you to Dan Balance. Hello and Tarvi much to Noel Rumbal. Hiya and merci beaucoup to Stephen Bowden. 
I've been Miranda Sawyer, and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when the mirror reveals that whoever is burning down wonky pubs may have struck again. The 500-year-old Greyhound and Punchbowl went up in flames on Saturday, and police suspect arson. As a spokesman didn't say, he's a firestarter, a pissed-up firestarter. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Paper Cuts was presented by Miranda Sawyer, with Alex von Tunzelman and Jason Hazy. Producer is Liam Tate, assistant producer Adam Wright, and audio editor me, Robin Lieber. Managing editor is Jacob Jarvis, group editor Andrew Harrison, and executive producer Martin Boyutosh. Music by Simon Williams, socials by Jess Harpin, design by Jim Parrott, and art by Modern Toss. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production. <laughs> <laughs>